Hello there, Star Wars fam. Welcome to another episode of Jawa Jabber, playing exclusively on Utini Radio. I'm your host, Dennis the Phantom Menace, and I'm joined by my best friend and co-host, David Wren. Hey, everyone. So 12 years ago, we all began on a journey. Every choice we have made has led us here to this moment. Star Wars The Clone Wars, Episode 12, Victory and Death. Yes, these last few episodes have been a lot to digest, and this finale really hit home and hit all the right notes. We can't wait to discuss all of this with you. So sit back, relax, grab a box of tissues, and get ready to experience the power of this fully armed and operational podcast. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. You're my guest. I've been waiting for this day for a long time. Primary ignition. guys here we are this is it episode 12 of the clone wars this is what we have been waiting for since 2018 when they first announced the clone wars was coming back and then 2019 with the celebration panel and the poster and the trailer and everything has been leading to this and now it's all over it's been 12 years since this started and we had that break in between but to me, at this point, it just feels like it's all coming to a head and it's all finally here. And we're, you know, both happy about it, but also sad. And for some reason, I can't remember. Did you watch it like in its original run, like back in 2008? I began watching it, but just like you, I kind of got turned off a little bit. But then I came back to it later. 
Yeah, I remember I didn't see it in theaters. I didn't even realize it was in theaters. Like, I remember seeing something else and I saw the movie poster and I was like, what is this? And flashback to 2008, David, we all know that I'm not the best with technology. So I was not necessarily on like message boards or anything. So I didn't really know that this show slash movie slash whatever was coming out. In my head, Star Wars was just kind of over and they would bring out action figures and yada, yada, yada. And then that was kind of the thing. Like I saw the movie poster and then I was like shopping and I saw some of the action figures and I was like, what? I'm like, there's another like, what is this? And that's kind of when I went digging and found out some information about it. And then, yeah, like I caught a couple episodes on Cartoon Network and I was like, eh, this isn't really my thing. Yeah, it wasn't. Um, I don't think I was excited about it as as I am now. And that's because I think around 2008, 2009, I was just entering college and just trying to figure out what kind of major I wanted to be in. I mean, I kind of had an idea, but uh, it was just a moment where I was kind of, you know, transitioning from high school to college and kind of, you know, the the proverbial stereotypical finding myself, you know, <laughs> like I I just I was more focused on what I wanted to do the rest of my life. And this stuff was coming out at the same time. And so I kind of, like you said, gave it a look, watched it a little bit, but then there were certain parts that I was kind of like, mm. you know, the movies to me felt a lot more like, oh, this is cool. I'll watch this again. But then when that ended, I was invested in watching some of it. And then I was thinking, okay, I'm going to come to terms with it ending and, you know, move on with my life. And then Rebels showed up, but then Clone Wars came back. And when I saw that panel, I was never at San Diego Comic-Con. But when I saw that the panel had the the poster with the with Ahsoka's markings on the her her face markings on the helmet and it said Clone Wars saved, I was like, oh, my gosh, we're back. Yeah, it was it was definitely an interesting find for me, because like I said, being a Star Wars fan, when they released the movie and the first season on DVD, I bought them. And I watched them and I was like, yeah, all right, whatever. If I catch an episode here and there, great, like whatever. And then I remember I was starting to buy the Star Wars Insider magazine and they had an interview with Dave Filoni and he was talking, they were getting ready for season four at that point. And they were talking about Darth Maul's return. And that's what really piqued my interest because I love Darth Maul as a character. I was upset that he was not used more in the prequels, like that he was killed in episode one. Like, I really thought he could have been like a through line for the prequels. So the fact that the show was going to try and bring him back, I was like, all right, this might be worth me watching like that kind of thing. You know what I mean? And then I still didn't really because my cable was all messed up and we didn't really get Cartoon Network at the time. So like I didn't I, I was able to watch like some YouTube videos of it. And like I saw some of the fight scenes and stuff, but I never really got to watch the show until Netflix, until it was on Netflix. And that's when I was like, all right. And I'm like, I really wish that I had given this more of a chance because that's when I really was able to watch it. And like I said, I mean, I don't really like watching stuff week to week. I like being able to binge it. So. Oh, absolutely. When it got on Netflix, I totally binged it. Mm hmm. That's when I was going through it and just, you know, and one thing after the next. And it was even though, you know, it's always been that wonky order we've talked about before where it didn't really match what was going to happen next. And so they had that whole list out and they still do on StarWars.com. And it's, you know, I just I don't know. Some people find that really annoying and I found it annoying initially. But now it's kind of like it's just Star Wars, right? We started at A New Hope and then we went back to the prequels and now are the sequels. It's just all over the place. 
one of my favorite memes is the meme that came out around Rogue One. And it had like all the movie posters on it. And it was like, okay, describing Rogue One to a non-Star Wars fan. It's a prequel of the sequels of the prequels of the not the sequels and the prequels of the like, like it goes on like 10 different tangents because, you know, it's in like a wonky place in the timeline. And it's just it's hilarious. I love it. I want to print it out and put it on my wall. You should make a T-shirt. Oh, there you go. We'll make them for celebration. Yeah, whenever that is, we'll make them. Yeah, whenever we get to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this episode, I'm just emotionally drained. <laughs> How about you? Yeah, um, I have now watched it because actually I watched it again today. Oh, man. I have now watched it four times. I've watched it twice by itself, once on May the 4th and then once today. And the two other times I've watched it, I've actually watched all four of these last episodes as one. And I got to tell you, I I know it's only like 20 seconds that it gives you of the credits. But like, I really wish that they would just edit it together. I understand. And I know you've mentioned that before, but I have. Yeah. Playing devil's advocate here from my perspective, I like the credits because it's like a big shock to your system when they leave you on that cliffhanger. And then it just I see the credits. I see, you know, created by George Lucas and I see everyone in it. And and after a couple of the names, I kind of start to zone out and I just start to think about what I just saw. And it gives me that chance and that moment to go, okay, how am I processing this? How am I emotionally right now? You know, so I, I kind of like that part of it, but I do understand that, you know, having it all put together would be really cool to see as well. Well, and why can't, I mean, Disney plus they have the star Wars movies and all these different sections. They have like the Darth Vader collection and then they have the movie section and then they have the by year section. And, you know, like they have all these different sections. They could do both. They could keep the four episodes separate and then just edit it together and have it there as a movie. And then we can both win. Yeah, I know. I I think we talked about this at one point where we were wishing that whenever this all came out on Disney and it was all on there, like the entire Skywalker saga. And I think at this point right now, we're what in we're in May. I think it's everything except Solo. I think Solo is still on Netflix. Yeah. And I actually just saw something on Facebook. I believe it's coming in July. Okay, And then finally, we'll have everything. We'll have everything on Disney Plus. Yes. All right. So here's the real question. You ready? Yeah. What jobs are we going to have? Are we going to work for Disney Plus? Are we going to work for the parks? Are we going to work for Lucasfilm? Like, we have too many ideas that are really, really good. <laughs> yeah. Like, so we're going to have to like, or are we going to have to pick like, I'm going to work at the park and you're going to work at, at um, Lucasfilm? Like, how are we going to work this? Like, we just, we have to somehow get in there. Yeah, if like, you guys are and, listening, please hire us. <laughs> yes, Dave Filoni, we love you. And like, we are... We are your students, so like, please give us give us a listen, give us a like, give us a job. Oh, that would be amazing. That'd be. I told you, we are getting him on this show. <laughs> I'm not sure when. I like your optimism. Well, this is a, a wrap for Star Wars: The Clone Wars, and what a heart wrenching but elegant transition it was from one era into another. You know, I think it's it's hard to talk about this episode, though. I I want to talk about it. But I also don't because it brings back all those emotions, you know, the good and the sad. And, oh, boy, here, you know, here it comes. We're going to talk about it. And, you know, there's always plenty of Easter eggs and tiny things in this final episode that many of our listeners might have missed. And as I always say that I love those parts of it. 
But, you know, when I sat down to watch this episode on May the 4th, I woke up early. Um, I got my coffee. I didn't go straight to the TV, but my wife can attest to the, my state of mind. I was sitting there. I was staring at the TV when I pressed play. She asked me, are you nervous? Are you excited? And I just looked at her and I said, I'm nervous. I'm very nervous. And not nervous because I didn't want to see the finale or not nervous that I was scared something would happen that I didn't like. It was more of the inevitability of what I know is coming and just not knowing whether I could handle it emotionally. And so I sat there and anyway, I started it and it was it was a wild ride from beginning to end, uh, an emotional roller coaster. You know, I think about halfway through this episode, I I started crying and then eventually full on sobbing. I I just there were certain moments and we'll get to them later where I I just couldn't hold back the tears anymore, nor did I feel that I needed to. I was at home in my safe place and my wife was next to me and she understands how important these you know, these shows are and these this entire universe is to me. And she was there to support me going through the emotional turmoil that I was experiencing. That's really interesting. See, I wasn't nervous, which is probably a testament to me not being into it until like the last couple of years. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, you remember me rise of Skywalker, right? Right. Like how I wasn't sleeping or eating or like how nervous I was. So like, I guess that was because of, you know, because of how much it meant to me and how invested I was and whatever. Like we had mentioned in the last episode, like we know going in that Ahsoka is going to be okay. That Rex is going to be okay. That Anakin is Darth Vader. That Obi-Wan is going to hide off on Tatooine. You know, like, I mean, we kind of know this. So like, it's not that the stakes aren't high, but like we kind of already know the outcome. So maybe that was also why I wasn't as nervous for this. You know, where, whereas Rise of Skywalker, it was anyone's mm. anyone's guess as to what was going to happen. Well, for me, it's like I agree with you. But on the other hand, I was still at the point where I don't know, maybe nervous isn't the right word. I was just dreading the inevitability of what's going to happen and knowing how they end up even though they're alive, it doesn't mean that they're not scarred by what they've gone through, you know? Right. In some cases, physically scarred, like Rex. Right. And so that's actually a good transition that when we start this episode, it's the last, the end of the previous episode, and we're in that that medical bay where Rex had his surgery, right? So they're trapped in there. Fastest brain surgery ever. Yes, it was quite quick. <laughs> And so they're basically going to have to now escape together, but have to get through all these clones, all the brothers that, you know, Rex's brothers and all these people that Ahsoka has grown, grown close to are trying to kill them now. I thought it was really, I don't think interesting is the right word, but I just, it spoke to Ahsoka and Rex's character that Rex put the stun gun on, you know, and like how Ahsoka was deflecting the blaster bolts, but like not going for the kill, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah, it was very it was very Jedi of her. Also, like, mm -hmm. I know she's not a Jedi, but it was very Jedi of her. And like, you know, of course, Rex didn't want to kill all his brothers. So like, I, I just I don't know, like I almost expected them to be going all killing all the clones, kind of like Obi-Wan and Yoda are doing in the temple, you know? Right. Like they're just, you know, like Yoda has that amazing move where he throws the lightsaber into the clone 
jumps up on his chest and I mean, it's one of my favorite moves of the prequel trilogy. Like it was just so it was just like such a video game move, but it was amazing. And like the fact that Yoda did it made it really cool. But like it's interesting. Yeah, no, interesting is the right word, I think, like how like the differences, you know, like Obi-Wan and Yoda are going for the kill. And of course, Anakin's killing everybody, you know, like Ahsoka and Rex are just trying to escape with their lives. I agree with you. I like how the episode had Ahsoka and Rex take care not to kill clones like they were anonymous soldiers. You know, Ahsoka tells Rex before they leave that room, you know, to set his blasters to stun because they're not trying to kill anyone because they're no. these are these people that they've cared about. These aren't just nameless, faceless clones. Right. They're their family. And, you know, we've mentioned this before, but the entire series has been spent on humanizing these nameless, faceless clones and and giving them each individual personalities and emotions as complex as any other human. It's a it's a good thing that they weren't taken out or blown away like any old stormtrooper like they do in the original trilogy films, you know. And yeah, I feel like it, it would have been backtracking on the entire premise of the Clone Wars if that were the case. Not to mention a couple days ago, all those clones were saluting them, was Ugh. saluting Ahsoka, you know, like she's walking through the hallway, not knowing what's going on with Anakin before Anakin tells her what's going on. And, you know, even the ones walking past her are saluting her and saying commander. And, you know, she's like, I really don't think they should be calling me commander anymore. And, you know, Anakin says respect means everything to the clones. And, you know, and then they walk into that room and then there's that great moment that we've been waiting for forever. And it just, I mean, it's such a, it's such a shift. It just adds to the tragedy of order 66. And, Mm -hmm. but it just, it's just so good. It's just, ah, the, 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 like you said, the storytelling of it is just incredible. I love it. But you're right. Yeah. When he says, uh, loyalty is, you know, paramount to the clone troopers. And it's just, like you said, it makes it so much more tragic that, they have to fight their own friends. And yeah. I feel like the the title for this episode, Victory and Death, was laced with a few different meanings, as I feel many of the titles of this season have been, and we've mentioned that. They have multiple layers, and I love that about Clone Wars. It, it really makes you think and isn't just pure entertainment, you know, just for the sake of entertainment. Like an ogre. Like an ogre, what? Like an ogre. Ogres have layers, like an onion. Oh my gosh. Shrek. I thought you didn't like Shrek. I hate Shrek, but it's I've done the (laughs) show, so it's in my head. Well, so and I want to dig into this a little. What about Shrek? No, the title. (laughs) Oh, okay. The victory and death, right? By looking at that title, what what immediately comes to your mind? Well, immediately I was thinking the victory is not the like the victory is Palpatine and Anakin and Order 66. Like that's the victory they're talking about. And death is the death of the Jedi Order, the death of the Old Republic. The you know, the victory is the Empire and just everything that happens out of this episode in Revenge of the Sith you know, with this episode in the background, I think, I think it played to the whole saga and not necessarily just this show. I completely agree with what you're saying. And I feel like the emperor achieves victory and destroys the Jedi, but also Rex and Ahsoka escape and have their own kind of victory, but you know, with a great cost, we also see the death of the Republic, Rex's brothers. And in the final scene, we know that in some ways, Anakin is also dead with the rise of Darth Vader. Yeah. 
And we'll get into that for sure. Yeah, we'll we'll get into this later. But like, essentially, when he finds Ahsoka's lightsaber, that's the last part of Anakin that I, I mean, I'm sure, at least in my interpretation, Vader finding Ahsoka's lightsaber is signaling that she's dead. Like, you know, she died like her body is somewhere in this wreckage. It's like the last remaining part of Anakin Skywalker, you know, mm, because mm-hmm. he lost his mother all those years ago. He lost Padme. He lost Obi-Wan. He lost himself. Now he's in this suit and now Ahsoka's gone, too. So it's like everything about Anakin Skywalker is gone. Yeah, it, I think it was. I mean, it was also there's so many sad moments in this episode. But for me, and I think it's kind of funny, but sad at the same time that with the droids that were helping Ahsoka and Rex, like it was sad when the clone troopers killed them. It was, it hurt, you know, because it was like, they were only doing good. They were trying to help Ahsoka and Rex. And it made me sad that they shot them, you know, and stuff. It was, Oh my God. When, when they shot Ahsoka's droid, I audibly gasped. I was like, (gasps) Mm. I, I, I don't know why that, that one got me the most. I'm not really sure why. And again, like kudos to the creators and the storytellers that we have compassion and care for robots. Well, yeah, I mean, of course we do. Look at R2 and 3PO. Right. I, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it's an interesting thing. I mean, I'm not saying in BB-8, you know, not BB-8 and like and Dio, because, you know, that I, I would be sad if something happened to Dio. Yeah, I mean, look at like, remember, remember when we were talking about Rise of Skywalker and I was like before the movie came out and I was like, oh, my God, if something happens to R2, I will. Mm-hmm. I, no, I can't handle. like I, I wouldn't be able to handle it. Right. It's just a hallmark, though. And I think it's fascinating that in the Star Wars franchise, we've mentioned how it it makes us feel and care for the villains. It makes us feel and care for droids and robots. And I just don't know any other franchise that has that much you know, emotional weight to it for things that, you know, in our normal everyday lives, we we don't bat an eye at, you know. Well, yeah. Look, OK, look at Kylo Ren as a good example. And I'm not just saying this because he's one of my favorite characters, but like who and I've I've told you this, like I was not on the redemption train for him, you know, like at first I was really not on the redemption train for him. And then by the end of Rise of Skywalker, I was bawling my eyes out like a baby. Mm. And like it just yeah, like if some OK, if some random dude in the meat department at the store that I work at killed his dad, I wouldn't want him to get redeemed. And like right? exactly, well, you know what I mean? Like I'd be like, oh, fuck him. Like, you know, like, be terrible. And then, like, you know, I wouldn't root for him and want him to get the girl. And, you know, like, finally they kiss and everything's great. And then he just dies. And then I'd be so sad. And, like, I'm crying. And I can't see anything. And, like, that that wouldn't be me. I'd just be like, man. But, like, no, Ben Solo. Like, yes, please. Give me more. Give me a spinoff. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to be skipping around here. And I say that every time. But um, it's just because things come into my mind. And then I write them in the show notes. And I'm like, I want to talk about this. But. Okay, I know we're going to talk about this, so let's talk about it right now. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) dot, dot, dot. Oh, no. What is this? Maul pulling down the hyperdrive. Oh, dude. Yes. Loved it. Wow. The music, the animation. And you know what I thought about Uh, the other day when we were recording the episode for episode 11 for Shattered? Here's another moment where Shattered comes into it. Yeah. Because he shatters the hyperdrive or whatever. But like 
Yeah, dude, like, the way he used the Force, and he just, like, crushed everything, and, like, the look on his face, and the music, and the, oh, it was, oh, it was phenomenal, it was great! Yeah. It was just a wonderful moment, and I am so glad that I, and I feel like that's one of those moments where if someone was like, oh, I think it's stupid that they brought Darth Maul back in the Clone Wars, you know? Like, if they saw that moment, they'd be like, yeah, okay, it's justified. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, just for that moment, them bringing him back is justified. I feel like Dave and the rest of the team working on the season were, personally, I feel they very much were ch- uh, channeling Starkiller vibes here. Oh, absolutely. You know, and for those who are listening and don't know, Starkiller is a character in the Force Unleashed video games. Now, I'm not a big gamer, but I know I've seen, like, the the parts of the video game where you get to see the backstory so i i definitely know what happens i just haven't played the whole game all the way through but that's immediately what i thought of here yeah because there's he brings down the star destroyer just mm-hmm. with his hand basically think ray's scene in rise of skywalker but like a lot more epic and like it's a star destroyer not like a transport ship right and uh but he, here's an also interesting tidbit because who played star killer sam Witwer. And who plays Darth Maul? Same guy. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it has a great parallel. Go on, George. Tell us. Come on, George. It's like poetry. It, it rhymes. Exactly. Thank you, George Lucas. Yes, thank you, George Lucas. Thank you. I also, you know, and since we're on the topic, I also had a bit of, and you just mentioned it, Star Killer vibes, but also Ray, you know, going when Ahsoka was holding Maul back from flying away in that stolen shuttle. Mm, yeah. yeah it reminded me a lot of ray from the rise of skywalker i thought it was really cool mm-hmm. dude could you imagine if the lightning had come out of her hand okay so i'm gonna get to that a little later <laughs> but like could you imagine i can imagine but i'm really glad it didn't oh no i'm glad it didn't either but like what kind of a mind <laughs> would that be she's doing that and then all of a sudden would <laughs> be like what no that would have ruined the entire moment for me I don't think it would have ruined it. It would have been like, what? No. Well, like I said, I'll get to why it would ruin it, but that'll be a little All later. Right. That, that's fair. Okay. But at this, at that moment, I feel like I really liked the fact that Ahsoka had to make a decision. She had to choose between letting Maul get away and steal their shuttle or help her friend Rex and fight back against the clone troopers who were trying to kill both of them. I thought, it was very much in line with her character. You know, Ahsoka chose to let Maul go and help her friend who was fighting a losing battle, basically. It was beautiful. And to me, it made me love Ahsoka even more as a character, more more than I thought was even possible at this point because she was, she's been my favorite female Star Wars character for a long time now, but it's like they just keep adding more and more love for her, for me. I, I agree 100%. Yes. Another fun moment I thought was, you know, and it's funny, but, you know, this is also serious at the same time. It's like Maul throughout this whole episode, I feel like he was being petulant, you know, like he's doing what he wants. He's being selfish. He's going for the shuttle that they're wanting to take to leave this, this ship. And I feel like everything is personal for Maul. You know, like I thought it was funny to see that he's upset that Ahsoka didn't want to team up with him and rejected his offer. You know, it's like. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, that's his character. Like, you can tell that that's why he's so angry. Like, he reminds me of, like, a brute force macho kind of guy who, like, you know, smashes a beer can on his head. (laughs) You 
<laughs> like it's just that's oh, just yeah, who he is. Totally. I mean, it, it was funny. Like I said, also serious. But you know, don't get me wrong. Now it's it is who he is. Always been Maul. Yeah, it's part of what I like about his character. He's just and I and I like the smashing the beer can analogy because it's it's true. <laughs> yeah, he'd be he'd be like, oh, I'm so tough. I'm so strong in the force. <laughs> it's, so, it's so true it's ridiculous but it's true or he'd like puncture it oh with his God. with one of his horns and then suck the beer out <laughs> well yeah and like like look at him doing the hyperdrive thing did he have to destroy that whole thing no he could have just like used the force and gone like click 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 okay it's out of commission no he destroyed it but would it have been as epic if he didn't know? No. It was But the it was ship fantastic. probably wouldn't crash. Well, right. Like, so Maul destroying the hyperdrive, just the raw power that he's expressing was just, just mind-blowing to me. I mean, I knew Maul was powerful on the dark side, but this powerful? Like, wow. Oh, God, yeah. He just never got to, you know, he just never got to show it. And you know that that console that, like, he destroys, and then he, like, thrusts it aside with the dead officer? Mm-hmm. Like where before he tears it all down, that console is modeled after the Imperial consoles we see in the original trilogy. And so it's subtly showing us that the Republic is slowly morphing into the Empire. Oh, yeah. See, I got that even from like episode three. Mm -hmm. Like the clone Star Destroyers, like especially the inside, like they always looked like the Empire. Yeah. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. And so, you know, because she lets him go, Maul escapes to at this point, he goes into light speed. And he, I think at this point he goes to rejoin his crime syndicate, Crimson Dawn, which we saw in Solo. So, like, this is the kind of where we see the timeline is right now with regards to Han Solo and Kira. Like now he's going back to Dathomir, you know, like that's the timeline right now. Like he's leaving and that's where he's going. Right. And now we're here with Ahsoka and Rex still. Yes. Yeah. And then after Solo, he'll end up where he shows up in Rebels. Right. And on Malachor. Yeah. On Malachor. Yes. Thank you. I couldn't remember the name of the planet. Yes. So there's still a lot of storytelling there. Like what happens in between that time, you know? Oh. Absolutely, dude. I want more. I mean, I I always say that. I mean, I guess you can't call it the Clone Wars because, I mean, we all knew that the Clone Wars would end with Revenge of the Sith because that's where the Clone Wars end. So we all knew it was heading toward this. But like, like you said, there's plenty of room for more stories. Give it to us. Just name it something else. Yeah, we'll definitely get more. That's for sure. You think? I think we will. Cool. All right. I'm game. All right. So the next thing, I mean, this is like, like I said, bouncing back and forth everywhere. But when he pulls down the hyperdrive, right, they're all panicking, all the clones who are like on the bridge and the Star Destroyer is thrown out of hyperspace. Like, I love this scene because it was smoldering. It was falling apart. It was on fire. Just the animation of that was just incredible. It was so well done. The attention to detail. We have been beating this dead horse all season, <laughs> but I don't care because it's earned. Yes, the animation is out of control. I selfishly wish that the animation was this good back in 2008. You know what I mean? I feel like I totally would have watched every single episode if because I've I've said this a million times too. like one of the things that turned me off was the animation of this. And like I was pissed off that year that I couldn't get Star Wars birthday plates because it was Clone Wars birthday plates like they didn't have regular Star Wars and I didn't like the animation. So I didn't get them. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it would, be, it would have been great to have it back then. But thank the maker. Thank Dave Filoni. Thank George Lucas that we have it now. 
Yeah, it's just it's beautiful. And I want okay, here here's a list of shows I want. I want Zori Bliss and Babu Frick. I want Poe Dameron as a spice runner. I want Ray and Finn training Jedi. I want post Clone Wars Ahsoka and Rex, maybe with a little Vader sprinkled in for good measure. I want the child Chewbacca and Porgs as an animated show. I want all these shows. That one I agree with you on. What, the child Chewie and the Porgs? Yes. Could you freaking imagine, dude? Like, that would be the most epic show ever. And it would be so cute. They would, like, they, people would fall in love with Star Wars and not even know it's Star Wars or care it's Star Wars. They, they wouldn't care. Exactly. Like, they could do all sorts of mythological stuff with the child and, like, you know, he, he could essentially, like, save the universe with his hand and they wouldn't care because the Porgs are sitting there going, you know, like, it'd be amazing. Yeah. Well, so there's this part of the episode that I want to get into, and it's a bit of a sadder, somber part. And okay. um, so, yeah, so I'm going to start talking for a little bit. And if I start talking too long, just let me know. But it's just it's so important to me. And I wanted to definitely bring it up. So there's this emotional scene before all the stuff that we just talked about happens where Rex and Ahsoka get to essentially what's like kind of the bridge of the Star Destroyer. And they're trying to open the hangar doors and then they see the planet. And Ahsoka's like, we got to get out of here because it's falling apart. Everything's just, it's destroyed. It's basically caught in the gravitational pull of this moon or this planet. I wasn't sure what it was called. But the important thing is she's trying to have one of the droids, I think it's R7, uh, to open up some of the doors on the side, the blast doors, to see if they can find a shuttle to escape in, the one that Maul takes eventually. And so they have this really powerful emotional scene because all the other hangar doors open and like hundreds of clones come out with arc trooper jesse and rex looks at her and he says they were waiting for us like they knew they were this is the only way they're going to escape so they were ready for them and this scene it was just it was very emotional to me and i'll tell you why it's one of those things where it just kind of puts everything about what the Clone Wars was all seven seasons all kind of put into this one moment for me I think it was like the pivotal moment of this episode this is where the conversation happened it meant so much in the grand scheme of the series it was hard to watch for me it was it was tough because at this point is is where I actually just lost it I started crying and and the reason okay let me let me just break it down a little bit um, if you don't mind, I know okay. I'm kind of hogging it. It's all right. I hogged about Anakin's hair. In <laughs> you talk about the emotional stuff. I talk about Anakin's hair. It's what we do. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so this scene, it was a big conversation because Dave Filoni kind of allowed us to, you know, live in order 66 for a while. It was a smart idea, I think, for us as viewers, because it gave us more to the story than the brief amount or flash we see in Revenge of the Sith. We got almost 40 some minutes of Order 66 with these last two episodes. It was it was so hard to watch and go through because like where where is Rex's head right now when Ahsoka is talking with him and she says, you know, I don't want to hurt them. The other clones Rex kind of gets upset and he says, yeah, I don't, I don't think you understand. They don't care. And he starts getting really emotional. But you can't really see it because he has his helmet on and Ahsoka stops and she takes his helmet off. Mm. And I feel like in a way, you know, like helmets in star Wars, they kind of have like a, like a dehumanizing effect. I think like the physicality of taking off the mask and 
and you know pulling back the veil um with vader with kylo ren here with rex like it's a huge moment seeing you know the emotional core of that character and who they're trying yeah. you know to be is peeled away it's it's a beautiful way to show what they were trying to do with the clone wars this entire time and it shows rex you know crying and and honestly like you couldn't see that behind the mask and when he did when he cried i cried and i'm getting emotional just talking about it because it's like these are his brothers these are people they know they're going to have to fight now and they're and it's just all coming to a point where i feel like he was trying to be the tough guy he was trying to hold back his emotions and underneath the helmet you couldn't see but when she takes it off she she knows rex she knows that this is not who rex is getting upset that you know they're gonna have to fight these clones like he's putting on like a face like a tough face you know and i i just this scene just hit me so hard yeah it was very emotional and i i agree with you i mean it didn't i i mean i was crying too it i don't think it hit me as much as it did you but I mean, yeah, it was definitely one of the more emotional moments. And it brought me back to Return of the Jedi with Luke and Vader, you know, just for once, let me look on you with my own eyes. And, you know, like, even though he's going to die, he wanted to see his son. So Luke helps him take off the mask, even um in the finale of The Mandalorian with IG-11. And, you know, they're trying to, you know, do the Bacta to get him better. And they take off his mask and he doesn't want to take off the mask. And he's all beaten and bruised and emotional under there. And yeah, it, it's it, it's as you and Doc Brown always say, it's a heavy moment. Yeah, it, it really is. It's a heavy moment. I, I'm just I'm highly impressed and just in love with this episode for the fact that it showed us what our characters were feeling, even when they didn't say a word. It was hard to write notes for this episode, to be honest, and maybe hard to talk about at times right now, because it was the end of the line. It was just so well done. We knew this is where it's ending. And and the way they did it was just so masterful. And I think that is a strength of Star Wars in general. And it's one of the things that I really appreciate about Star Wars. And I know it's over the top and dramatic and whatever, but like it also has its moments of less is more. Mm -hmm. They're never afraid to show the audience instead of telling the audience. Like that scene that I always go back to in Revenge of the Sith with Padme and Anakin looking out on the world like you know th th there's no dialogue in that scene and there's very little music but you you can feel exactly what both of them are feeling you know and then um again return of the jedi with darth vader i mean talk about an oscar for mask acting i mean you know darth vader has this expressionless face and then you have that scene it's the name of your true self you've only forgotten i feel the good in you the emperor hasn't driven it from you fully the end of that scene when vader takes him to the emperor you know luke goes and my master is truly dead or then my father is truly dead and Luke goes away with the stormtroopers and the camera just focuses on Vader and you just hear him breathing. And like, you know, of course, his face isn't I mean, it's a mask. He's not. But like you can just feel and you can see all these conflicting emotions on Vader's face. You don't need dialogue. Hmm. It just and it's beautiful. I, f I feel like Adam Driver did a really good job with Kylo Ren doing the same thing. You didn't always see his face, but the way that he just the way that he carried the character, it was visible in maybe an almost unconscious way as to how he was feeling in that moment. Absolutely. Especially that. Um, Hi, Maverick. The, yeah, I know. Hi, Mavi. Um, especially that 
it's not one of my favorite scenes, but the Ray Palpatine scene, like in the hangar bay, like, you know, you can hear his voice and like he has the mask on, but you can feel his emotion in that scene. Mm -hmm. And, he, you know, he's telling her about the dyad and everything and like, you know, but we can take him together and come with me. And then he finally takes the mask off. But like he almost didn't have to because the emotion was there. Right. And like I said, it's one of my favorite things about Star Wars when they do that. Agreed. So then we we move on. So we talked about the whole scene with with Maul stealing the the shuttle. And, you know, it was really interesting in that to me, this is kind of where I kind of wanted to go earlier. And I'm I'm glad that Ahsoka didn't do what Rey did. And I'm glad that they showed that parallel with the Rise of Skywalker. I'm I'm really glad that they just showed the, the two different decisions that were made at that moment. And what I mean by that is, you know, Ahsoka is kind of like the model Jedi, like the Jedi that should be like, this is how the Jedi should be. Not like Mace, not like anyone, like not, it, it's supposed to be where we have this theme that reoccurs of the, the value of uh, the Jedi order of letting go of things that are so close to you that you're fearing to lose and things like that. And she does that throughout this episode. She does it. And I think the first time, at least in, in letting Maul go, she, she doesn't, you know, crash the ship or do something crazy. She, she lets him go because at that moment, he's not as important as Rex is to her. Like she's never going to put someone else in front of herself, like ahead of her, because that's just not who she is. It, it talks about her character. It shows us who she is. That's Ahsoka. Ahsoka is selfless. Ahsoka cares about others. We saw that with Trace and Rafa. We saw that in so many other episodes of the season. Mm -hmm. It's one of her great character aspects. And I think it's why she resonates with so many people because she is so good. Right. And I like that juxtaposition, that parallel and that instead of feeding into that anger or that fear in Ray's case, you know, fear of losing Chewie, the anger of having to, you know, compete with Kylo for the for the ship, the transport, Ahsoka lets go of it. And that's what Ray should have done. But in that moment, she didn't and she regrets it later. And she knows that, that power came from her. And it was, you know, and I like that. And a lot of people have issues with the Rise of Skywalker and I have my own. But and this parallel, I really enjoyed that they showed that that Ahsoka is a different kind of Jedi or she's a different kind of force user. Let's put it that way. Her and Ray should team up in episode 10. That would be amazing. Could you imagine? I would. I can. And I yeah, it's just incredible. One more thing about that, I, like I mentioned, it's very much in line with her character. She chose to let Maul go and help her friend. And it's one of those things that, I don't know, I just, that jolt that happens when Maul's trying to get away and he's like, what's going on? I didn't know Ahsoka was that powerful. Oh, yeah. I mean, I kind of hoped she was that powerful, but I mean, it was nice to have the proof. Yeah, for sure. In the first episode of this arc, how she was like flying through the sky and like battling the Mandalorians and like, you know, jumping from ship to ship to ship to ship to ship to ship. Like, I mean, that to me, like showed how powerful she was, but it, it, it was nice to see it in like another way. Right. And I've said it before, I think on the last episode, but, you know, one of the million things I love about the Clone Wars is as a complete whole now, because we have this final episode is how Rex and Ahsoka began with the who outranks who banter. But, you know, they ended and survived the series as complete equals in rank and experience. And otherwise, there's just that symmetry between those two characters that I, I loved it so much. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah, it was great. One thing here that I thought was kind of funny and violent, but like not in a grotesque way, is when the droids are like lifting and lowering the platforms and the clones are going up and down. 
that was awesome. <laughs> I was like, wow, like they're really getting thrown around like ragdolls here. I just wish that one of the clones, like after like the fourth time the droid did it, would have been like, oh, come on, this again? <laughs> or something like something like that. Like maybe that was a little too on the nose, but like <laughs> I just, I would have died laughing. I mean, I was already dying laughing at that. I just thought it was hilarious. Like, would it? Because you know, like R2 always comes in and does something like it reminded me of in episode three when he sets the droids on fire you know like it's just like (laughs) would because why not and it's funny and it's great and like it just it totally had that humorous saving the dayness to it that is you know quintessential droids of star wars you know i also think i like it because in the seriousness of what these last episodes were and how you know tense and you know, maybe stressed out or just maybe, you know, wanting to know what happens and having all these emotions run through us. It gave us that moment of levity to have some, you know, oh, it's the droids. And it made us kind of happy for a while, you know? It was a nice switch, as heavy as this episode was. And between that and then Ahsoka saying, I'm not doing this for you. Like, you know, <laughs> like that whole part, like th- those two moments were really, really nice. Well, could you imagine if like the clones are going up and down on these platforms and like one of them says, you know what's going on? The other one says, I, maybe it's another drill. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been even more perfect. Yes. Um, Why don't we work for Lucasfilm? Because <laughs> they haven't hired us yet. That's all. They have to. All right. We, we need to make sure that this podcast ends up on their lap. Um, what I was saying earlier, actually, when like I felt like Maul was being petulant because it's very personal for him that Ahsoka rejected teaming up. It was like that moment where he's running to the shuttle and she's running after him because she knows he's going to steal it. And he like throws all those like cargo containers <laughs> at her. And he's like, you asked for this or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, was it, it was just it was hilarious. And oh, my gosh, how could I forget? I just thought of it because I was thinking about that scene where because Ahsoka chose to to be with Rex and to help him fight off the other clones and let Maul go. She uses the force with her lightsabers to cut a hole in the floor. Yeah, that was awesome. Oh my gosh. When she spins around, it was amazing. Mm -hmm. I saw that. I was like, is she on ice skates or something? (laughs) No, she's just that badass. It was so cool. I loved it. And then of course it like falls through the floor. And when she, lands wherever like however far they fell she's in her ahsoka pose and rex is like on his back Mm -hmm. (laughs) like she was ready he was not oh yeah it was great so if we fast forward a little bit because we talked about that other part with the shuttle like they go to find a y-wing they found a y-wing they love the y-wings i mean i don't blame them because I've always thought the Y-Wing was a really cool design. Like, not, I'm not dissing the X-Wings, but, like, I always kind of preferred the Y-Wing as far as designs go than the X-Wings. But, yeah, they, they definitely, they love their Y-Wings. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because if you think about A New Hope, like, in the trench scene, the Death Star trench scene, the Y-Wings didn't do anything. They just got blown up. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, they were kind of useless there. And then we saw them, you know, in the Rise of Skywalker, of course, but then we saw them in in the Clone Wars and we just saw them being used more. So I think that kind of, it, it kind of made up for the lack of their action sequences in the original trilogy. Right. Yeah, because like Return of the Jedi, it was all about the A-Wings. Mm-hmm. And Empire didn't really have a space battle. So... You know what I thought was also really nice, a nice throwback, was that in season one, when Anakin and Ahsoka attacked General Grievous, they were using those Y-Wings. Mmm, that's right. 
Like, you know, back when Ahsoka was a little Padawan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When she was like tiny. Yeah. So it was a nice callback to one of Ahsoka's very first episodes, you know, after the 2008 film, of course. Hey, Sky Guy. Be careful, Snips. I love that. I love that little banter. Okay. So what happens is the ship's breaking apart and Rex gets in the Y-Wing because Ahsoka pushes him to get there. And she's fighting off the clones still with the lightsabers. And then she's about to get into the Y-Wing and jump onto it. But then the Y-Wing falls out of the hangar. And so she's free falling, right? And Rex is kind of like spinning because he I think he like might have hit a part of the ship while he was falling out. And it's just a really like tense scene. And, you know, she's falling basically at, you know, the speed of gravity or whatever the gravity is from that moon that caught them. And there's just this awesome scene where she's flying or like falling through the debris and Rex speeds up and tries to find her in the debris and then like he tries to level out like with her speed and so she can like grab on i love that scene oh yeah it was great and again the animation and the score and just the whole it was just it was epic it was like we were watching a movie it was just it was great i called it ahsoka falling in style (laughs) yes and disney would applaud you for that reference Because honestly, we see her kind of use the force to control her fall. And we saw that first time when Anakin did it in Attack of the Clones. Mm -hmm. When when he jumps out of the car and then he falls, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. He's so yeah. There you and yeah, she totally learned that from Anakin. It's it's beautiful because, you know, he was her master. I know. Just the scenes, like you said, the music was so tense. It was great. And then she finally catches up with Rex and then she sits inside the Y-Wing. I think like normally where the droid goes, you know, that little cockpit area. Isn't that where the gunner is? Or, oh no, you're right. It's the, where the gunner is. Yeah. You know, think of it like a snowspeeder. Right. But so like in these moments, I like that we see Rex and Ahsoka kind of just contemplating what had just happened and what they're still going through. It's a very somber kind of reflective moment. Mm-hmm. Like while the ship is crashing and falling and, you know, it reminds me of Revenge of the Sith when the ship is crashing and falling, you know. Don't worry, we're still flying half a ship. (laughs) Yeah, and I just, I love the, like the symbolism here with the ship. What do you mean? Well, I mean like, so the ship is, is falling apart and it's, it's crashing. And I just feel like, like it's a metaphor for everything else is crashing. Uh, Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Let me get to the the note that I actually have on it, because I think I wrote it better than I'm speaking it right now. Um, Yeah, the ship is crashing. It's like a metaphor for the Republic crashing, the Jedi Order. We talked about this at the beginning, kind of. And then Anakin, you know, falling to the dark side. It's it's like a it's a crash landing for the galaxy. Essentially, everything is crashing to the ground. It was it was a nice visual representation, I think, of what is literally and metaphorically happening. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. That's a great observation. You're a good soldier, Rex. So is every one of those men down there. They may be willing to die, but I am not the one who is going to kill them. And now we have an incoming transmission from Dave Filoni. Here's what he has to say. For me on this show, I was in a very strange situation. Since the Clone Wars first began airing, kids love the Clone Troopers. They love Captain Rex. They're very fond of these characters. So here you're in a situation where there's this massive betrayal. And the film, the Jedi, like Yoda, just turns and cuts down Gree and he does what he has to to survive. But I thought a really interesting element here was, well, is Ahsoka really going to do that? And what does that say? to the audience if she just was to start cutting down all these old friends of hers 
numbers that we've shown in the previous episode, they all mean a lot to each other and they think very highly of her. So it created a very complex stage for this action to play out on and it challenged her and her convictions and her morality and what she thought was the right thing to do. It's a terrible situation for Rex too. I mean, these are Rex's brothers. These are people that he's led for years if they've survived enough battles. And he hides a lot of his emotions behind his helmet, but we understand that this is a very intense thing for him. I always knew the end of the show was gonna be difficult because it doesn't end on the most uplifting of notes, but it's how this part of the story has to go. It's what happens to the galaxy and through this intense time for the characters I think the most important thing is that they stay true to each other, they trust one another, and they let go of their fears to overcome the situation. Now let's hear what cast and crew had to say about victory and death. When we recorded Victory and Death, it was definitely emotional. And Dave constantly reminded us to keep those emotions in check because we knew that it was ending, but our characters didn't. We got the proper goodbye that we didn't get before. And it was such a gift to have that this time, to say, this is a wrap. To bring the Clone Wars to an epic, magnificent cinematic conclusion that it always has deserved, it's one of the very most satisfying creative experiences of my life and my career. It's great to have conclusions to things so we can now look to the new places that Star Wars is gonna go as well. So I think it's really important and it's gonna stand the test of time and people will be very grateful for it. And I'm grateful to be a part of it. After that moment, we get this just just heartbreaking, wordless final sequence of scenes at the end with the crash site. And again, I, I know we're, I say this and even saying it is repeating it. So saying it like, oh, it's a broken record player is saying is being a broken record player. But like big shout out to Kevin Kiner again. The intensity and the incredible emotional music here was what made it what it is. Yeah, and it's haunting, and it, it's like the end of this journey that we've been on for 12 years. Right, and I felt that there was also this music that was very reminiscent of the same kind of music. It's very similar, but not exactly the same as the episode when Ahsoka leaves the Jedi Order. Mmm, okay, yeah. You know, like that melancholy, really loud kind of piercing music? Um, yes. Meant to tug at our heartstrings. Now that you say that, that makes perfect sense. Like, it sounded like I had heard it like similarly before, but I couldn't place exactly where. And yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that's exactly yes. I um I gotta tell you, dude, I made a mistake. I was uh, let me tell you this short little story. I um I'm a Spotify user. I listen to music on Spotify, and I was waiting for the whole soundtrack to come out by Kevin Kiner for this last season, and. I started listening to the music while I was at work. I had one earbud in and my supervisor was gone, so it was all fine. Um, but I started listening to it and I got to the final track of this season and and it's called Bearing the Dead. And, <laughs> and I'm getting emotional thinking about it again, but like I had to stop what I was doing. I had to leave the room and I had to go in it's like a closet. It's like a small bathroom closet. But I went in there. I, the light was off. I closed the door and I locked it. And I just, I don't know. Like, it's not like the first time I saw it or heard the music. But I just, like, ugly sobbed for, like, two minutes straight. I just, all the emotions came out. Like, I I knew I've done it. I've seen it before. But I was playing the scene in my head again. And it was just so 
I don't know, it was so emotional because all I could think of is when the camera pans over the graves of the fallen, mm-hmm. it, you know, once again shows how the makers of the show chose to humanize the clones, you know, not treat them as disposable units. Like they, I'll tell you, at this scene, I was on the brink of bursting into tears, but I just couldn't hold them back when I saw the helmet of our trooper Jesse. Yeah. Like the music there, oh my God, I, I told you, I, I ugly sobbed at home when I saw it. I hyperventilated a little. And, you know, fortunately, my wife's sitting next to me and like she supports me and she knows how much this means to me and obviously more than to her. But I, I even now thinking about it, it makes me it makes me emotional because who would have thought that at, at 30 years old, you know, something like this would move me to tears and engage my emotions so intensely that I would feel connected to animated characters, you know, like like Bravo. You know, kudos and accolades to the storytellers because if that's not the best storytelling we have as humans, I don't know what is. It's just, that's how you engage your audience. Oh yeah, it's all about the characters and that's what makes it so successful. The characters and your emotional connection to them. And and I agree, I was, like I said, I forget what time it was. It was like 1.30 in the morning or whatever when I watched it for the first time. And yeah, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't sleep afterwards. I was just... I was just moved, and I was, I I don't know, like, I just, I'm not good at talking about my emotions sometimes, but, like, I just, yeah, like, it was equal parts, wow, it's over, wow, that was amazing, and then, like, what it was, and I texted you, and you were asleep, so, there was no no back and forth, yeah, fancy that, right, isn't it normally the other way around, you're texting me, and I'm asleep? Yeah, usually it is the opposite. It's usually the opposite, but yeah, um. It was just really moving. I felt like the scene, that scene that I'm talking about, and they buried the dead clone troopers, was it was a great way to honor the legacy of the show in a, in a touching and forever memorable way. Like I, I felt it was a respectful burial, like an like an act of gratitude. You know, paying respects to the people she fought alongside of for so many years. You know, despite their actions in the end, which again, it speaks so much of Ahsoka's character that she buried them together with Rex and did so knowing that these were individuals that tried to kill both of them, you know, mere hours ago. It's it's simultaneously beautiful and heartbreaking. It's so much of what Star Wars is, right? Like like Luke paying his respects to Vader at the end of Return of the Jedi, despite his actions, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And um, I also liked the parallel to an episode of The Mandalorian with the helmets on the sticks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it makes that, that scene totally different now, doesn't it, kind of? A little bit. Yeah. And, and again, it's showing, I mean, we've mentioned this in other episodes. I mean, the word war is part of the title of all this, mm-hmm. you know, and like people forget about that with like the Jedi and the force and the characters and the romance and the, that like, you know, people forget that the central conflict of this whole thing is war. And the Clone Wars did a really good job of showing that. You know, like showing the war aspect and not just from an action point of view, but from like an emotional point of view. Right. I the end point, you know, of of getting to know all these clones on such a personal level for me and and then having all of that, you know, taken away, you know, their individuality by this inhibitor chip. Like it just sucks. It's horrible. And it's just so hard to watch. You know, it was it was like, you know, where's Wrecker right now? I need him to smash something, you know, like, damn, that's what Wrecker should have been on the ship. (laughs) You know what I'm saying, though? Like, it's just... Wrecker should have been on that ship and, like, ran out and been like, Smash! Wrecker <laughs> Rex. You know, like, that would... Oh, that would have been awesome. 
Yeah, the the ending shot of that scene on Jesse's helmet, you know, with the swell with Vader's shadow or not oh. shadow, Vader's reflection in in the helmet was just Well, yeah, I I definitely want to get to that. It's just like the the swell of the music, man. I just lost it on that uh, when it when it panned and shot, saw Jesse's helmet. I know he was the original of the like the five in the group and you know it was emotional but like i was emotional with echo i was emotional with fives i was emotional and i'm still am with rex because he's you know still alive but he's gone through a lot and then uh you had cody and then you have like jesse like jesse was the one you know who maul kind of did the kylo ren reading his mind thing it was like ending this like we were talking like it's it's ending all of it but in a way that's just so well done. I just, I was so amazed at how they did it. And Ahsoka in this scene is, you know, wearing the long robes that we see her in, in Star Wars Rebels. Yeah. And she, you know, the dropping of the lightsaber like that. Well, where else did those robes come into play? Do you remember? No, I don't at the moment. Obi-Wan's fake funeral. Remember when Obi-Wan faked his death? Oh yeah. She was wearing that robe at Obi-Wan's funeral. Mm -hmm. When I swear, like I knew in my head, I knew in my head that Obi-Wan wasn't dead. And I knew in my head that Anakin was not going to turn to the dark side. But the way that episode toyed with Anakin's emotions, I thought he was going to snap in that episode. And I was like, wait a second. No, we're not in Revenge of the Sith yet. Right. Like I had to talk myself out of it. I'm like, there's no way. like, but that was another that was an early case of the animation really getting me. Yeah, I, I feel like in this one, it or in general, the entire series, it, the Clone Wars provided this ambitious task of humanizing the clones. And we all fell in love with Captain Rex, you know, in his relationship with Ahsoka. It was something we didn't even know who Rex was, you know, when we fall attack of the clones, like there was no Rex. No, that's true. And now it's like, he's such a part of this that I can't see it without him. And I think another thing that it did for Star Wars in general, like it fleshed out more of the story of Anakin and Obi-Wan. I know they weren't the central focus. Like we've talked about this at length that uh, like it, it really is Ahsoka and Rex's show as it should be. But like they really took the time to flesh out some of the plot points of the prequels that some people, you know, kind of think that the films may be glossed over. You know what I mean? I know exactly well, what you mean. Yeah. Like, you know, we were told that Anakin and Obi-Wan were best friends, but we didn't really see it that much. And like in in this show, you see their relationship deepen and you see their conflicts because, you know, like I, I love when Anakin, like in the early seasons, when Anakin has a moment with Ahsoka and like he can't stand her and Obi-Wan's just like off in the corner laughing because, you know, it's like exactly what Anakin did to him. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, like I just I really love what it did, not just with the clones, but like it really fleshed out the prequel trilogy story. And I think it's given people more appreciation of those prequel films. Absolutely. It, it I think it completely makes me view those films in a different light. And especially since this crosses over into Revenge of the Sith, it's just enriches it so much more. Yeah, I mean, you're not you're never going to see that scene again with Yoda and Mace Windu. And not know that Ahsoka is like coming right there where that screen wipe is. And you're never going to not hoot and holler and cheer when Mace Windu dies because he's such a. <laughs> <laughs> so the dropping of the lightsaber, I felt was really symbolic. And it's because, too, that, you know, Anakin remade those and gifted them to her. And the lingering moment and that shot where she's just holding it and it just slowly rolls off her hand and falls on the ground. The music 
you know, added to the emotional weight of the scene. It was like a stab to the chest. You know, it felt like she's done. She's done with all this. She's with all the death and all the fighting and everything that she's been through. She's in this graveyard now that they made together whatever clones they could find from this wreckage. And it was just, you know, at that point, we we know that we don't see them again until we see them in Rebels. You know, Rex and Ahsoka at this point are they're survivors but at the same time they're going into lonely somber periods of their lives they're not going to be going off and having some great adventure as far as we know they're dealing with the aftermath of this and the the trauma and the ptsd dare i say it it, from all that they've been through yeah i don't know if i want a continuation series because like you said it's going to be depressing right and you know for this point we we fade from ahsoka to to Vader's Imperial Lambda class shuttle coming, I think a few months or maybe even years into the future. Yeah, there's debate as to how long in the future this is. I would say, I'd say at least a year. I don't think it's even a couple months because, and I mean that this could just be me reaching or whatever. And I know I haven't read the comics or anything, but like the way Vader's walking, like it just seems like he's used to his new body, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like, it's a minute detail, but like just the way that he walks, like makes me think that it's further in time than when like maybe like a month or two after he had gotten in the suit. See, I have a different take on that. I feel like his walk, okay, Vader's walk to me, it feels like the animators almost took the way that Anakin walks. Like it just to me, it, it, it looked a lot more like Anakin, like just the way his height and the way he walks and the way he moves and how they how they did it. It didn't feel to me. Like this was an angry Vader. It just seemed almost like he was somber and remorseful. I agree with you there. No, I don't. I don't think it was the angry Vader. No, like this was not Rogue One Vader. No. Right. I wanted to mention that. Yeah, that we see the Imperial probe droids. We see the snow troopers. We see Imperial stormtroopers. So we know that like in the timeline, this is not like right after we saw Ahsoka and Rex leave. It's sometime in the future. And like you said, there's debate about it. But you know, when Vader finds Ahsoka's weathered, snow-covered lightsaber, like, ugh, it just gave me the chills, you know? And it reminded me that, you know, some lightsabers carry almost like a residual memory with them and their previous Force users. I think it's called psychometry. Um, okay. Like Ray when she touches uh, Anakin's lightsaber underneath Maz's castle, and Sifo-Dyas, which is the, one of the Jedi who was a part of like starting the Clone Wars and he went insane and then they locked him up in the Citadel and like he was able to like he touched something that was one of like the huts and he could remember what happened in that moment like that that physical ability I think it's called psychometry and maybe Vader's feeling this at this moment too. Mm. I don't know and, and it is really interesting to me too that in this scene there's a glimmer of Anakin for me in the shot because when Vader looks up at the convoy, the bird, right, you can see the the red lenses that are visible. Yes. And if you look really closely, you can actually see his eyes a bit. You know, I did not catch that. I saw that on Instagram and I want to look for that the next time I watch it because I, I didn't notice that. I thought it was like a, a kind of a, a nice homage to, you know, original A New Hope where you can see kind of David Prowse's eyes. Yeah, I've never noticed that either. I've again, it's something I've read about, but I've never actually noticed it. I I just I thought it was cool. And I'm not going to pretend like I noticed it the first time I saw the film. But when it's been pointed out to me now, I can't unsee it. 
I have finally noticed um, in Return of the Jedi when Han's running away from a bunker and like you can see his reflection in the plexiglass. I have finally noticed that. And same thing, I can't unsee it. I, I still have yet to see David Prowse's eyes in that, but uh, but I know it exists, so I know it's there. Right. And I mean, guys, the Clone Wars gave us Darth Vader with a blue lightsaber. Like, can you believe that? That was like, awesome. That was so cool. I loved it. But I like how he was looking at it almost like it was a relic, like his past, you know? Well, yeah, like I said before, it's like the last bit. Like, I, I think in this moment, he thinks that Ahsoka's dead. And like, you know, he her her body is buried in amongst these clones or this army or whatever. And like, it's the last bit of Anakin Skywalker that was alive and now she's gone. So like mm-hmm. it's like like she he's looking at this lightsaber and it's it's like the last bit of Anakin. Right. I, I really wanted to talk about Morai. I wanted to talk about the Convor. Feel free because I got nothing. I I love this. I love how deep this got for me because of Rebels and where we see the Convor there. And I think we see it a couple of times, you know, throughout the episodes, not just the one with the world between worlds and Ahsoka. And I, I so for those of our listeners, this is a bit of like a recap, maybe. So in Star Wars Rebels, they introduced the idea that, you know, some Force users have an attachment to the natural world and in, in the physical representation of an animal. In Rebels, we have Caleb Doom, which is also known as Kanan Jarrus. He's connected to the Loth Wolves, um, specifically one of them. And Ahsoka is connected to this Convor, which is the name of this bird. Um, well, it's it's the kind of bird. The name is Morai, and it's kind of like her force spirit animal. It's also a representation, or perhaps like an embodiment of the daughter from the Mortis arc. If you remember, when the daughter dies, part of her life energy or her life force was transferred into Ahsoka by the father. So I feel like perhaps Morai is like a piece of the daughter that is now watching over Ahsoka during her life. It has special meaning, I think, for this ending for the Clone Wars because. On Mortis, in that Mortis arc, Anakin had that vision of his future where he saw he could become Darth Vader, but then the whole experience was erased from his mind. Like, the father asked Anakin to take his place and balance out the son and the daughter, and instead, Anakin chose to be with his wife Padme and to fight in the war, and then they forgot all about it. And so the daughter's presence as Morai here in the final scene, I think, is showing how Anakin is... Like the way that they framed it, you know, they show how much space there is, how high up this bird is flying and Vader's looking up at it. And I feel like it's showing how Anakin is far below, like he's in a kind of quote unquote hell, you know, which is also like symbolized by the fires of Mustafar. And Ahsoka through Morai has like the high ground, like the, the bird still being in sight, like he can still see the bird. I think it shows that there's still some good left in Anakin. It's just distant and it's out of his reach, you know, for right now. I feel like there's a glimmer of Anakin in this shot where we see Vader looking up. And uh, like I said, you can kind of see his eyes. But this final shot was just it was it was so incredible. Like all of it. It was a perfect shot that I think encapsulates everything that the show is about. You know, Ahsoka has always been the main protagonist in the Clone Wars when she was introduced as the new, you know, the good guy or the good gal in the 2008 film. And then painting her face, the the clones did that on their armor and their helmets. And that links them thematically. So you got Rex and Ahsoka and the clones, they're all linked. And then the helmet that we see at the end shows that, you know, the era of the Clone Wars and the clones is done. It was quiet. It was solemn. It wasn't bombastic. It wasn't some huge, crazy scene. You know, I like that so much because it was it was emotionally satisfying for me. It earned its ending versus... 
there are some shows and some films that you know try to be like earth shattering like oh my gosh this is the final end and and like some of them fall flat on their face because of that and i don't think this one did i think it did a great job like it did like you said that vader is reflected in the visor of that clone trooper's helmet and he's moving away which i felt you know represents the start of the original trilogy leaving the old clone wars behind it was an absolutely perfect ending to this season and to this entire series as a whole, to be quite honest. I, I feel like I'll be returning to this final arc many times in the future. It was just so good. Well, yeah, I told you, I've already watched this four times, which is easily, outside of the Mortis arc, the most I've watched any of these episodes. Right. And it was just, it was great. And like, for me, as I would consider myself a casual Clone Wars fan, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's a far stretch to say that you have enjoyed the series more than I have. And like, I just like, I, I too have just been in love with this arc and the storytelling of it. It, it makes me want to go back and watch the whole show again. Yeah, I totally get it. I will watch it over and over. Yeah, and like you said, I love the symbolism of the Vader's reflection walking away and it's like leaving the past behind and the Clone Wars is over and, you know, he's going on to his greater destiny of ruling the galaxy. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a lot. And it's a lot in the best way possible. <laughs> yeah, and, and like, I didn't expect Vader to show up at all. I, no, I was floored. I heard the breathing and I said, no, I said, really? And I, and again, I had an audible gasp when they showed him. I was like, oh, I'm like, there he is. I'm like, there's Vader. I don't know. It was just as a fan. It was just a really cool moment. Was it just me, too, that like I felt like when we saw those final shots with Vader, especially when you see him like his legs when he's walking, I felt like it was looking at like a matte painting, you know, and it kind of was. It did. Yes, it was very. Yes, I agree. Like Vader's animation model and when he's walking in the snow, it was just it was perfectly done, I think. And in line with Clone Wars, it wasn't trying to be too much like the films, but it was that bridge, you know, connecting, you know, what happened in this moment in his life and Ahsoka's life. And I feel like there's so many, so many different things when I saw, you know, him reflected in that visor, like Anakin walking away from the graveyard of his past. It's it was great to me because it wasn't like a parade of cameos to end the series, you know? Like it was it was like maybe three or four voice actors in it for this episode. It was, you know, Sam Witwer, it was Ashley, it was D, and it was, you know, Filoni if you count the droids. So like three or four, it wasn't a ton of people. And I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was great. I think it, it, it makes it, the tone so great because they did that. And, and like we, I mentioned before, like Ahsoka embracing the idea of letting go. That, that Jedi principle, letting go of her past, you know, the music about her leaving the Jedi temple, you know, a couple seasons ago, it's familiar. And it's that instrumental melancholy music by Kevin Kiner. It was perfect for that moment. But it also, it made me think about how it made Vader at the end all the more tragic because of Ahsoka not being able to speak with him one last time. Him coming to terms with what has happened and who he is now become as a result. It's just, ugh, man, like stick a fork in me. I was done when I saw that. All this stuff flooded into my head. It was crazy. And then like, do you think a part of him blames himself for Ahsoka's air quote death? I think so. I mean, cause you know, he, he basically, I mean, I know she was going to go anyway, but like he gave her permission to go to Mandalore. He gave her half of the 501st, you know, like he kind of, he gave her the lightsabers. 
like you know he he was he was like here you go go prove yourself that you know you're great and then in his eyes i think he thinks that she's dead and so you know there he is he's responsible for padme's death he's responsible for ahsoka's air quote death so here's what i think like to me this scene these final scenes were just like some of the most haunting scenes in star wars for me because like you've mentioned no words were said because none were needed you know, we were we were just left alone with Vader and his thoughts. Like the wreckage, I think, symbolized everything he had destroyed, you know? And it was like the moment Vader thought he's truly lost everything. He's lost Padme, he's lost his friend Obi-Wan, he's lost Ahsoka, he's lost everything. And it's just so tragic. It's unbelievably tragic. And I don't know, I always feel like I go back to it. Don't forget about his kid. He knows that she's pregnant. Well, I feel like he doesn't know that the kid survived. No, that's what I'm saying. He lost his kid. Right, right. You're right. I say add, add that into the mix. I literally just thought of that because I think that's why they, you know, they show in Revenge of the Sith that Padme is buried with that stomach, which is really hard to do because like when they bury someone like your body is filled with liquid and I'm not trying to get into like whatever. But like all I'm going to say is like when you bury people, they look thinner than they actually were, whether they were sick whatever. So the fact that Padme looks pregnant, I mean, that was great. But and obviously they did that to, you know, so they think isn't there in one of the comics, doesn't he like visit Padme's grave or something? It's one of the newer comics that he actually right. goes back and, and like breaks into her apartment and stuff because it was sealed. Yeah, but doesn't he go to like the mausoleum or something? Yeah, that's a different one. That was an older one. OK, I just I, I remember seeing the art of it like. Right. He's in like Padme's tomb or whatever. Yeah, I I just felt that this last shot of the Clone Wars is exactly everything the war itself achieved. You know, it was it was a war that was never meant to be won. It was played out by by Palpatine uh, the entire time. And I it just every time I think about it, it reminds me of all this this sorrow that I feel like Vader is feeling like here's what it makes me think. Where do we put Vader right now? And I'm going to say Vader slash Anakin, because I think at this point he's still Anakin at some in some level emotionally where do we put him like after he finds the saber like depending on where and when this is happening in the timeline what do you mean where do we put him so let me explain a little depending on where this is happening in the timeline is it if it's before the empire strikes back right then he's a different person than afterwards or is it before rebels because then he finds out ahsoka is still alive or is it after I think it's a really interesting discussion to have because it really would change the dynamic of the relationship between Anakin and Ahsoka based upon what time period this is when he's looking at the lightsaber. Because as far as we know, it's been left open to interpretation. And I think Dave Filoni did that on purpose so we can all talk about it and speculate and have discussions. Like, when does this happen? Is this Vader when he's angry and looking for Luke? Or is this Vader after he's found out, you know, that he's been betrayed and wronged by Palpatine and he's has this awakening to how, how much he's been lied to this whole time and then perhaps feeding that into his interactions with Luke, his son. It's just it's so many questions that it raises as, as much as it closes out this entire season. It makes me think of at what point is he emotionally right now? I didn't even give it that much thought, to be honest, until just now. I was just thinking it was like a year or so after, like it was at some point after like so like in in my initial thought it was just before rebels before everything else happens but now that i've looked at this screenshot again looking at this right now makes me think that it's 
farther down in the timeline, and that would match with the stormtroopers and the snowtroopers. You know what I mean? In relation to because Rebels is during the height of the Empire. So at that point, is it feasible to think that he's looking at this before he knows Ahsoka is alive? But it also would make sense if he thinks she is alive still, but here's her lightsaber, and it's just a moment where he's remembering the past. That's all. I'm going to say a year or so after this. I don't think it's too far down the timeline. Okay. But like I said before, I don't think he thinks that Ahsoka's alive. I'm pretty sure he thinks that she's dead. I just think personally that he is definitely, in my opinion, showing some kind of remorse for everything that happened. Mm -hmm. Because he didn't get what he wanted. At the end of it, it wasn't how he thought it would turn out. It didn't turn out the way he wanted it to. He didn't save Padme the way he wanted to. Right. It was all almost like in vain. And Palpatine's the winner. Yeah, because Palpatine's the one that doesn't die. <laughs> yeah. And now here's Dave Filoni with his final transmission. I just really enjoyed making this show. It was a real privilege to get to write and direct this particular time period of the Clone Wars and play with these characters. We never thought we'd do anything with Anakin and Obi-Wan, and they really became the backbone of the show. Ahsoka and Rex, I think, have earned their place with the rest of the Star Wars lead characters out there. Making the Clone Wars was really the best of times, all the way up right through here to the end. It's been a great thing to have the chance to complete and put a proper ending on it. I think it feels good for myself, for everybody that worked on it, and hopefully everybody that grew up with it as well. So for the last time on the Clone Wars, may the Force be with you. I just wanted to say that I think Dave Filoni knows how to end something in a satisfying way, but it's not sacrificing story for nostalgia. And that's what makes me love his creative mindset and just the person that he is so much more because it shows how much he knows and cares because he's a hardcore fan like us, but it's kind of like he's not just showing us, oh, look, remember this? Empire Strikes Back, Hoth, remember the... Oh, he's he's really focusing in on Anakin because he knows the Skywalker story is about Anakin and Ahsoka is obviously a very important part of his life. So including him here at the end, I don't feel like it was like a cheap shot or like, oh, hey, Vader, let's throw that in because we know fans love Vader. I feel like it was really well and tastefully done. Well, I agree. You've seen the progress of Rex. You've seen the progress of Ahsoka. Why not show the progress of Anakin? I mean, we all know that he turns out to be Darth Vader. Why not show it for this brief couple seconds, you know? And like you said, it wasn't done as a, oh, hey, we're going to show Vader. Like it was it was done tastefully and it serves the story. I'm just highly impressed and just in love with this episode overall. It it showed us what our characters were feeling when they didn't say anything and it just allowed us to kind of fill in the gaps with what they may be thinking at that moment in time and like i said i i loved that they just did such a good job i'm pleased with it i'm happy i'm relieved i was sad everything just all the emotions were wrapped up in this and i thought it ended incredibly well one last thing if you will entertain me for a second i really wanted to read this and it's a little long, so just bear with me. It's actually an interview that um, Dave Filoni did with Entertainment Tonight, and it's about this. It's uh, I'm just going to read like the excerpt of his answer for a okay. part of it because I thought it was really 
fitting to what we're talking about here as the end. And so the interviewer essentially says like, oh, hey, you know, Darth Vader's in this. You know, when when did that idea actually come to your mind that you wanted to include it? And so I'm just going to read uh, Dave Filoni's answer. And here's the quote. So it's going to be a little long. So just bear with me. <laughs> um, okay. But really good stuff. Really good stuff in here. He says, that's an idea that I've had for a very long time. As I went over different ways to end the show, that was always one of the options I had. Ultimately, since Star Wars is a saga about the Skywalker family, and Anakin plays a large role in the Clone Wars, but also in Ahsoka's life, I felt that if you watch the four parts, as much as Sidious has this hidden layer of character arc in the episodes, so does Anakin. I wanted to draw a full arc for him, where if you've never seen Star Wars, you hopefully will be able to understand that the young man that Annika... Annika... <laughs> Annika. <laughs> no, the young man that Ahsoka is very good friends with, that's like a brother to her in the beginning, that the villain Maul says, hey, he's going to turn out to be this bad guy. In the end, you see that, well, that was actually unfortunately true. The through line is the lightsabers that he worked on for her. There's this symbolic arc of Anakin underneath that all. He says, I mean, I know why I did that and what it means, but I don't like to explain too much. I love for the viewers to watch stuff and come up with their own theories. And they frankly come up with better things that I intended, better things <laughs> than I intended. But it's a way to have his character expressed without violating anything that happened in the films. It doesn't change anything about Vader, but it helps bridge into the work we did in Rebels. And you can see that whole arc. One of the tragic things for me is that in her friendship with Anakin, Ahsoka is going to deny what certain truths might be and not accept certain things because they are terrible. All the way through Rebels, you see that she's not willing to accept what the truth is, even though it's eventually staring her right in the face. It was a nice way to bring a shape to the whole series that shows you a subversive thing about what the Clone Wars was really about for Anakin, how Ahsoka found her way through it intact, which is what I believe, and just shows that the clones... For all their character and all their individuality, by the end, also you have stormtroopers walking around who are completely devoid of that individuality. Everything is bleached out. Everything is pretty stark. Everything's washed away color-wise, which is what George did at the end of Revenge of the Sith. A lot of things I do are just ways of taking what George did and reasserting them, enhancing them, showing that this is what his half of Star Wars is about. Ultimately, and how the heroes will prevail through it, despite all of the wickedness of the enemy. And if I could take anything from that, that was end quote, by the way, if I could take anything from that, that Hoth looking scene, it's that I like what he said here, that everything is washed out. Like it's the end. Color wise, it's all over. This war is done. And we're moving on to the next chapter of what we know to be Vader in the original trilogy and then beyond with Kylo and the rest of the Skywalkers. It's, it was something that I just, he put it in such a way that I've been trying to describe all of this in the last four episodes we've done on Jawa Jabber. And he just does it in a really good way that I wanted to read so that our listeners could hear like just the genius and the mindset of Dave Filoni. Yeah, I just, I can't wait to shake that man's hand. Yeah, that will be a amazing day. It will be a day long remembered. That's right. But yeah, so that was a very long episode. And I think it was worth it, though, because this is the finale episode of The Clone Wars and something that we've been waiting for a very long time. And it's finally here and we've finally seen it and we've analyzed it. And 
oh, we could go on for days and days about all the different little things that we may have missed or that we can dive into even deeper, but maybe in some other podcast at some other time. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we're going to have to fill up episodes with something. So, right. Speaking of, so our show is going to change a little bit now because obviously we don't have our weekly dose of Clone Wars to talk about. Um, we were fortunate when we started Jawa Jabber that we had the Clone Wars starting up. So we were able to kind of base our episodes off of these Clone Wars episodes. So now Dennis and I are going to have to get a little more creative with our episodes <laughs> because we want to stay relevant. We want to entertain the listeners that we have already gained. We want to gain more listeners. We want to hear from you guys. Like, you know, we love doing this. We've both said this multiple times. I mean, we have full-time jobs. We're doing this for our love of Star Wars. So, and it's just, you know, a cool, fun thing that we've come to do. I know we have a couple ideas down the pipeline. Um, I know I've been mentioning since the beginning, I want to do like a commentary episode, like me and you watch the rise of Skywalker and kind of offer our commentary on it, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I think it'd be cool if we did like a Mandalorian episode, like where we talk about the Mandalorian. Yeah, that'd be cool too. I don't know if you would want to do episode by episode, but we could kind of just do a general Mandalorian. And then obviously when season two premieres, we could do the episodes weekly, but I know coming up, we are going to have a guest. Um, our, he's a great friend of the show. His name is Kyle. Um, he is going to be kind of our guest co-host for an episode because he is Mr. Clone Wars. Um, you have heard him in a couple of our episodes, giving us a little bit of feedback on the Clone Wars episodes. But we are going to have him on to talk about not just this final season, but the Clone Wars in general, what it meant to the Star Wars universe, what it means to each of us. And Kyle is 22 years old, so like he has grown up with this show. So I think he's going to add a unique perspective on it that is outside of generally what Dennis and I kind of see from this show. So we're really excited to do that episode with Kyle. Yeah, for sure. Um, like David said, there's things that you've heard from us, our opinions, how we saw this final season, how we feel about the Clone Wars overall and how we kind of started out in in watching the Clone Wars. And I think he's just going to bring a, another fresh perspective of um, just another another opinion, another point of view uh, when it comes to the Clone Wars and how it fits into the overall saga and the whole story of Star Wars. And I think he's just he's just as passionate, if not more than we are about Star Wars, and he's just a great guy, so we're really looking forward to getting him on, hopefully very soon, probably in the next couple of days. And uh, I don't know when this episode is actually going to air, but um, or go online and have you all listen to it, but um, we're working at it as fast as we can. Uh, like David said, you know, we, we do have full-time jobs and, and uh, extra stuff that's happening, you know, daily life and all the craziness that is 2020 that I'm sure you all are aware of. I, I, I was going to throw in there that, you know, Unfortunately, yet fortunately, Dennis and I are both essential personnel, so it's not like we have all this time to sit at home and do podcast episodes because we are working like it's just, you know, 2019 or 2018 or 2017. <laughs> and, you know, the only difference is we have to wear masks and we deal with crazier people. And yeah. Yeah, so definitely thank you guys so much for listening to all of the Clone Wars episodes that we've been talking about and sharing all of our opinions on and what we liked, what we didn't like, all the nuances and all the different things that 
you guys have listened. Thank you so much just for, you know, sharing this moment with us. We'd love to be able to share everything that we think about when it relates to the Star Wars universe. And even sometimes outside of that, we, we share our opinions on real life happenings in the world or um, somehow it does always come back to Star Wars, you know, so that's always fun. But so if you guys want to follow us, uh, we're both on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Ben Solo's Shadow and David's is the Chosen Ren 83. And you can also follow Jawa Jabber on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can write a review and rating for us. We'd really appreciate that if you can. Um, we just want to make this show better for for our listeners, for you guys that are listening and also just for us so that we we feel like, you know, kind of like Ahsoka and Rex and Anakin, we've progressed through our arcs. We've gotten from point A to point B. And since we just started this relatively recently in the last few months, I can't wait to see where we're going to be in three, four years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, think about it. It hasn't even been three months yet. And look how far we've come already. Exactly. I mean, we finished a whole show together. Yeah, that's something like, like, like a whole I'm sorry, like a whole series of Star Wars shows. That's what I meant. Like, I guess a whole season, I should say. We we have followed a whole season of Star Wars and we've gone through a Blu-ray release already. We've gone through crazy online buying shenanigans, which we will talk about in our next episode also. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, it's been great. It's been a fun ride. Like Dennis said, we are both extremely passionate about it um, as you can hear in our emotions throughout these episodes and we just love sharing it with you guys and we love feedback because again we're making this for you guys so we want to know what you guys want to hear we want to know what you guys like about us maybe what you don't like about us and we can you know but if you mention anything about Anakin's hair I'm going to hurt you because it's the best part of the Clone Wars <laughs> sorry about it okay I said my piece I'm done Sorry about all the emotional crying. I'm a crying kind of guy. Um, well, so am I. And, like, so when we get to... I think when we do our Rise of Skywalker commentating episode, I'll I'll, I'll have some of those moments, probably, I'm sure. Oh, for sure. Especially toward the end. Yeah, there's, there's plenty more to come. There's plenty more to come. Um, so thank you guys again for listening. And I uh, just want to make sure that you guys tune in next time because it's going to be a fun episode with Kyle. Um, but until next time, my name is Dennis. And I'm David. And remember, the Force will be with you. Always. Yep, yep. Star Wars Podcast is not endorsed by the Walt Disney Company or Lucasfilm Limited and is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. All names, sounds, and all Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Disney and their respective trademark and copyright holders, unless otherwise indicated. Jawa Jabber, broadcasting exclusively on Utini Radio. Utini Radio.